Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Spirit and water are woven together from the beginning to the end of John's gospel, which is fitting because all of the scriptures from Genesis 1 through to, as we were hearing in Bible study, Revelation 22, are also weave spirit and water together. But not always as two things that go together, but usually as two things that are opposed. So in Genesis 1, the very first two verses of the Bible, we hear that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you can see here the opposition between the two. The water represents chaos, destruction, death, stuff that is formless and void, whereas the Spirit is what's going to give life. It hovers over top of all of this chaos. And through the work of the Spirit, the Lord is going to give life. Just a few verses later, then, in Genesis chapter 2, we hear about the work of the Spirit, the first great work. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. One of the hard things of translation is taking really poetic language and making it come into another language with the same sort of beauty and poetry. The Hebrew of this text is, is poetic in this sense. I'm maybe going to read a little bit of Hebrew for you this morning. And formed Hashem, Elohim, eth ha'adam, afar mot ha'adamot. And into the nostril, the life breath blew, and the Adam alive became. The spirit in Genesis is connected intimately with life. The waters, not so much. As we just saw in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the waters are darkness. They are emptiness. They are a wasteland. They are something that breeds chaos and that has to be controlled and shaped and formed. We see that again in Genesis in the great flood. In Genesis chapter 6, where the Lord says, Behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth, not to bring life, but to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Water undoes life's breath. Water chokes it out, suffocates it, drowns it. It would seem from the first few chapters of the first book of the Bible that the water and the spirit are deathly enemies and opposed. And then we get to John's gospel. And Jesus takes these two things that seem to be in opposition and puts them side by side, marries them together, if you will. In John chapter 3, we have the encounter of Nicodemus with Jesus, who comes to him at night not wanting to see his visit with this rebel rabbi and it become too obvious to the public. And as he quizzes Jesus about his teaching, Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus follows up by saying, 
how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? To which Jesus answers with those famous words, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Water, the thing that represents chaos and wasteland and even death, and the spirit, which is the thing that was breathed into the dust to create the Adam, the first man, and that gives life, get brought together by Jesus. And says we need them both if we are going to see the kingdom of God. Which brings us to today's gospel, which seems like an odd gospel for the day of Pentecost. Not every church body chooses this gospel, but the Missouri Synod did. It seems odd, A, because it's really short compared with our reading from Numbers and Acts, one of the shortest gospel readings in the church year, and also because we're talking about water on Pentecost, the day that we celebrate the sending of the Holy Spirit. Well, most of us know what I just read from John 3. We're familiar with the Nicodemus account. We know about this business of having to be born again of water and the Spirit and how in John 3, the two are connected. We also might be familiar with the passage from John 19 that I'm going to read in a moment that also connects the Spirit with water. But today's gospel, this short reading from John 7, stands in between John 3 and John 19 in connecting water and the Spirit one more time. Now, we can read this gospel two ways. The first is the way that I read it just a few moments ago. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But that's not the only way that you can read those verses. You could also read it this way. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I'm going to suggest to you that option two might be the better reading if we take all of John's gospel, and indeed all of scripture in its entirety, and we really take seriously this conflict being resolved in Jesus of water and spirit, of great floods and the breath of life. Thus comes this reading from John 19 that I promised you just a few minutes ago. We hear it on Good Friday, and here we hear it again. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it is born witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in John 19, Genesis 1 is fulfilled. 
Genesis 1 is filled with fullness, if I might speak like an ancient Hebrew. The water that is formless and void and chaos and wasteland that is used to bring death and destruction on the earth. And the spirit that gives life and purpose and meaning and hope come together in the death of Jesus Christ for our sins on the cross. That as he gives up his spirit and John sees the water flowing from his side, he comes to understand what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus about being reborn of water and the spirit. That the two have to go together, that they had to be reconciled, that death and destruction and breath and life had to become one in the death and resurrection of our Lord. And now become one in the gift that God gives to us. The gift of baptism, which we'll speak about again in a moment. Now, thus far, our text and what the Lord is saying to us today about water and the spirit. But the reality is that this week for many of us, if we've been at all following the news, especially the last few days, has not really been much about water and spirit, but more about fire. Cities that are near and dear to Deb and I are burning. Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Minneapolis, Houston. We have seen why a remnant of the hearts God saw in us brought about the flood. Why was there a flood in the first place? Because the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's why there was a flood in the first place, that God saw what dwells in the heart of man, and it is not good. And I couldn't help but think, too, of our Bible study of Revelation. In fact, Pastor Bill Swirla, who uh, is an old friend of mine from California, was reflecting on the fact that he's now seeing three of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He's just waiting for the last one. And I said, no, the text of Revelation that really came to my mind is Revelation 18. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning, what city was like the great city? Alas, alas for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. Some of you remember Pastor Peter Malish, who was our guest preacher just a few weeks ago, who's from Poland, learned his English in Poland, but also in England, and now, aside from being professor at Beast of Divinity School, is also pastor of an African-American congregation in Birmingham, Alabama. He has been utterly distraught by what he has been seeing happening in the United States. And he and I have gone back and forth in discussions about what this all means. We've had to remind each other that there is no answer to what's happening, to what we do to one another as people, but the answer of water and the spirit. Old 
hardened, used up, shriveled hearts have to be scooped out and drowned so that the new life of the spirit, the spirit of Pentecost, the spirit of Jesus that he gave up in his last moment on the cross might be breathed into us instead. So that the dead water of the flood can become the living water that leads to life in the spirit. Is it any wonder then that the gift of the spirit to us would be tied to water in baptism? Baptism is, after all, the Pentecostal sacrament. It is what binds Christians to Christ and to each other in the body. After Peter's great Pentecost sermon, the first part of which you heard Spencer read this morning, comes the very end where the people of Jerusalem look at the disciples and say, what then shall we do? To which Peter's answer is, repent and be baptized. Each and every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. Baptism and Pentecost go together because in Jesus's death on the cross, in his glorification, he gives up the Spirit and out of his side flows the blood and water that will drown our old hearts that hate, that are full of anger and frustration and impatience and unkind words and replace it with the spirit that gives joy and peace and love and all of the other fruits that Paul associates with the coming of the Lord of life. This is the spirit's entry now the water and the word, the cross of Jesus on your brow, the seal both felt and heard. This miracle of life reborn comes from the Lord of breath. The sinless one from life was torn. Our life comes through his death. Let water be the sacred sign that we must die each day to rise again by his design as followers of his way. Renewing spirit, hear our praise for your baptismal power that washes us through all our days. Come, cleanse again this hour. In the name of Jesus Christ, from whom comes the Spirit of the Father to give us new life. Amen.